Esther. Esther is a story about rejection and ruin and receiving. And it's also about God's salvation once again in history of the people of Israel. But this time, God is not parting the Red Sea. God is not making a wall fall down. God is not even sending a fireball from heaven to suck up the altar and the sacrifice. This time, it's different. And perhaps this story of Esther is a little bit more like our story. And we ask the question, where is God? Where is God? Because God is not mentioned in the story. And neither are the Jewish religious practices of like the law or food stuff or the Sabbath. Like, all those things are left out of the story. And the story isn't even happening in God's promised land of Israel, where he created this people who would be his very own. This story is coming after all of God's mighty acts in creating a people. And it's coming after when the people have been taken out, taken away, and are living in exile away from the land that God brought them to. So maybe, like us, We wonder in the story, where is God? Instead of God doing these mighty acts, where is God in this story? What's happening? Because there's not these big things happening, but maybe God is hidden. Maybe God is masked. Maybe in this story, like in the celebration of Purim, every year we put on costumes to celebrate that God puts on a costume. And is among us, even when we don't see. So God is still active. God is still working and involved. And in so many ways in this story, God is participating. If you're looking for it. So Esther, story of rejection, ruin, and receiving. First, rejection. The story of Esther begins after there's been six months of celebration. King Xerxes, or that's... The king at the time, he's been celebrating with all the people, bringing everybody in. And now we're at this last one week, a big special party, just all the people around. And this is where the story of Esther picks up. When the king, Xerxes, or you can also say Ahasuerus, but King Xerxes commands his queen, Queen Vashti, to come so that everybody can behold her beauty, right? And we don't know what's been going on for the last 180 nights. I mean, is this just the way it's been, that every night he sends for her and she comes and does something? We don't know that. But what we do know is that this night, when the command comes, Vashti says, no. No, thank you. She rejected a royal command. And I think the storyteller wants us to take Vashti's side and say, that's right, Vashti, you tell him. Right? That's the invitation in, that we take her side. Because here she is rejecting a command. She's rejecting and refusing to do something being asked of her, commanded of her. So this is the rejection, not submitting. We also have another character in the story, Mordecai, who also rejects a command. And again, the storyteller wants us to take Mordecai. Mordecai's side. The story, it's pretty clear when when he says, I'm not going to bow down to the king's second-in-command, Haman. We don't know why, no details given why he won't bow down. But in the story, it's pretty evident that if you have to give a royal command 
to bow down when you walk by, perhaps the people don't respect you very much. Right? So there's this command given, and Mordecai says no, rejects it. And for Mordecai and Vashti, their rejection is a refusal to obey a command. But their rejection sparks a fire, an excessive fire, way beyond the level of what they said no to. They did not meet expectation. And so now they're being seen as, hey, you guys aren't doing what you're supposed to do. And in that, failing to meet the expectation of doing the command, the rejection turns on them. Here in Esther chapter 1, we hear about Queen Vashti. But when Queen Vashti refused to come at the king's command delivered by the eunuchs, at this, the king became enraged, and his anger burned within him. Does that seem excessive to you, for your anger to burn for somebody not meeting your command? Well, it's as if Xerxes is saying, hey, Vashti, if you don't do what I want, then you're out. I reject you. And it's a similar thing with Haman. In his excessive response to Mordecai, in chapter 3 it says, and when Haman saw that Mordecai did not bow down or pay homage to him, Haman was filled with fury. Again, there's this excessive response and Mordecai in Haman says, hey, look, Mordecai, if you don't do what I want, if you don't meet my expectation, then you're out. I reject you. And maybe here today in our culture, we can also feel very familiar with this idea of cancel culture, right? It's just what we do. It's almost in our being that, that we get angry and we reject, and then that rejection has to escalate to cancel, escalate to Ruin. And that's what the Esther story is about. This escalation of rejection building to ruin. So we turn next to ruin. And we notice how that simply rejecting is not enough. It must escalate. It must grow. It must become bigger. Perhaps you can put the word revenge into that as well. But you notice in the story, what does Xerxes do and respond to in Vashti's saying no. What does he do? Well, if you read the story, you actually notice that King Xerxes never does anything of his own. He simply turns always to a counselor or an advisor. So what does he do? He says, what should I do? And then his advisors turn and say, ruin her. And here's what they told him to do. If, you please, if it please the king... Let a royal order go out from him, and let it be written among the laws of the Persians and the Medes, so that it may not be repealed, that Vashti is never again to come before King Ahasuerus. And let the king give her royal position to another who is better than her. That sounds like 2,000-some-year-old cancel culture going on, built right into the DNA of humanity. Rejection. That escalates to ruin. Haman does the same thing. That's why this story is so interesting. And these same things are just being repeated. And here's what Haman, in his escalation, does to Mordecai. It says, but he disdained to lay hands on Mordecai alone. Like, that wouldn't be enough. 
So as they had made known to him the people of Mordecai, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews, the people of Mordecai, throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerus. Really? Like the guy won't bow down, so you're going to go do a genocide throughout the whole kingdom. Right? There's an escalation that is happening. That rejection now leads to this escalated ruin. Seems to be a principle in this story of just how we are as humans and humanity. And we wonder, is there another way? And that is where Esther enters. And we move to receive. Because receiving, receiving is the opposite of rejecting. To receive is to take it in, to deal with it, to figure it out, to take it in, not to reject. And perhaps as we've raised this idea that rejection escalates to ruin, kind of ask the question, what does receiving escalate to? So as we look at Esther, it's actually painful to watch and read Esther's story and unfold because so much is simply out of her control. I mean, she is an orphan. She has nothing. She's an exiled person in a different country, right? So all these things are happening to her without her choice in the matter. And here's how we see in Esther this contrast of receiving rather than rejecting. Now, it's even possible that Esther didn't even have the opportunity or ability or even an ounce of power to reject. All she had was to receive. And we see her receive. As she was received as an orphan by her cousin Mordecai, and she then received Mordecai as her father and took him in and obeyed him. Throughout the story, it's very evident she was committed to him and obeying him. But then we have this very awkward being taken in, into the harem, in, as a concubine. This is not good. But here she's being taken in, and in a sense you could say she's being received into the harem. And what does she do with that? And once again we see in Esther this very unique thing that she can receive what is happening to her. Right? And I think as she looks around, she, she knows the story of Vashti. She knows, like, I don't really have a choice here. I've been taken in, and now if I reject anything, I become like Vashti. So what does Esther do? She receives. This is being done to her, but she is now taking it in. So she receives being taken into the harem. She receives the year-long beauty treatment. She receives the instruction given to her by the head person. She obeys them. Right? She's receiving. She's doing these things. It's, it's miraculous. And as we are watching for God's movements within the story... Here's where something starts happening that's quite unique. A theme builds around Esther. Right? There's something happening around Esther that is more than Esther. In chapter 2, it says, Esther also was taken into the king's palace and put in custody of Haggai, who had charge of the women. And the young woman pleased him and won his favor. We're going to start seeing this throughout the book, but another reference then says later, now Esther was winning favor in the eyes of all who saw her. Now what's going on? I mean, certainly there's something about Esther receiving her situation, taking it in, doing her best to have a posture of receiving. 
Certainly. And we've got to give her credit. But also, we've got to give some credit to God, who is turning everyone's favor toward her. There's this unique thing that this favor is just gathering around her, even to the point that King Xerxes has favor toward her. And we see as the story plays out that this, this is the thing that God did. It wasn't seen, it wasn't visible, it was no parting of the Red Sea, but God was working in that. So Esther is playing her part, posture of receiving, and she says this famous line, if I perish, I perish. Whew. And God is also working, acting, turning the favor of all people toward Esther. So as we saw how rejection escalates into ruin, and we wonder, how does receiving escalate? Maybe we can wonder about this story. What if King Xerxes would have received Vashti? I mean, change that story around in your mind a moment and think, what if King Xerxes had heard the no and then went himself, not sending like his eunuchs to go do it for him, but he himself went to Vashti and said, my sweetie, what is wrong? Are you okay? What if he would have received her in her moment, whatever that moment was, and would have said, oh, Vashti, I, I, yes, I, I want to show you off to all my friends, but you are more important to me than impressing my friends. I mean, what if, I guess this can't happen because this was Xerxes and she was a harem concubine and it doesn't work that way, but what if Xerxes would have received well, I guess there'd be no story of this, but it would just be nothing. <laughs> but what happens when you receive someone? What escalates from there? So as we are looking at Esther and her posture of receiving, saying, if I perish, I perish, we, of course, are echoed into the Advent story that we are beginning next week, where Jesus takes on that same posture of, not my will, but yours be done. You know, as we begin Advent next Sunday, we once again are invited to receive Jesus as a vulnerable baby. <laughs> sure, it doesn't make sense. The upside-down kingdom of God does not make sense. And so a baby coming in vulnerability it just doesn't fit the ways of the world. But it is what God did. And John wrote in the beginning of his gospel that the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Right? Jesus comes in this vulnerable way and his people don't receive him. In fact, there's this rejection and growing escalation to ruin him. Right? But for those who did receive him, they are made children of God. Here, this is the story of Advent that God left the glory of heaven to come to earth once again to save the people. But this time, it's not just the people of Israel from being in a predicament. This time, it's to save all people 
from all the problems and to bring them into the family of God. So Jesus enters this world and takes on the rejection and the ruin. He, he takes it in. He takes it into himself and receives it and moves it out from us to him. You know, he receives the rejection and the ruin, and what does it do? It escalates on him, and he's put on the cross. And then hanging on that cross, what does Jesus do? Continues receiving the people. Even the people who put him on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Right? This is the story of Jesus. This is the way of Jesus. This is what we live into as his children. So as we see here in the story of Esther, receiving escalates into salvation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you with hard hearts to your world and to each other. And we participate in rejection and ruin. And I pray that you would remove that from us. Forgive us our sins. And God, I pray that you would put a posture of receiving into us that we would be yours, and we would bring your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.